Wow, what a blessing to be here this morning. Couple disclaimers right out of the gate. I'm not from DeMott. All right, I'm one of the few hamsters not from DeMott. I remember doing a funeral though in DeMott and I was at the cemetery and I saw a lot of people with my name. A lot of tombstones and Sam Hamster. That was kind of eerie. And uh, I'm not from Hammond. Uh, my son, Sam, who uh, bears my name, pastors a church there called Anthem Church. So sometimes people get me confused with him. Uh, I'm just your, I'm a West Side guy and uh, had the privilege of working with this church over the years and preaching teaching uh, here with First Church, both in the old building and now here. What a joy it is. I, every time I think of you, you know, and, uh, what, what does Paul say? I know what he means. Every time I think of First Church, I praise the Lord. Amen? I, and what I praise the Lord for is courageous leadership. There's so many people talk about winning souls for Christ and being on a mission for Christ, but very few leaders, and I'm talking about your elders, your deacons, your pastors, have the courage to step into it. And this is a living testimony of what happens. God can do far more abundantly than all you ever ask or imagine by his power at work within you. Amen? All right. And we're going to hope for that this morning in my message. Pastor John told me to, you know, to bring one of my best messages, so what I did is I wrote a new one. So I don't know if it's one of my best ones or not. I did try it out last week in Milwaukee, worked out the kinks, and uh, ready to bring, and I, and I, you know, worked out a few more kinks after the first service. So here you go. Have you ever met anyone who doesn't appreciate the Amish? No, right? What is it about them? What is it about the Amish that everyone seems to love them? I mean, we, we, they're like a vacation destination, right? Go to Amish country, hang out with the Amish, watch the Amish, buy their furniture, buy their jams, their jellies, their baked goods. My wife reads every book there is about the Amish. Any other women in the house? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're guilty by your laugh. I can see it right there. You know, we've been worried. It's just crazy. People have such a great view of the Amish, even though they are one of the most conservative Christian groups in the nation. Even though they embrace traditional views of marriage, gender, and sexuality. I've never heard anyone say, let's boycott the Amish. You know? Let's sue the Amish. There's just something about them is endearing. I thought about them as I was reading 1 Peter 1, verse 11 through 12. And this passage came to my mind because, as you know, we live in a kind of a different day and age than our parents and grandparents lived in. We live in a day and age where many of the biblical values we hold true are, are challenged and, and people disagree with our values. They'll even take you to court if you don't bake their cake, right? 
It's, it's a different environment than our parents and grandparents lived in. And so the question is, how do we as followers of Christ who affirm the values of Scripture, how do we live in this day and age? We got a good word from Peter, and Peter knows all about it because he lived in the pre-Christian era when everybody opposed Christianity. He is a person who even died for the faith, and he says in his first letter, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Man, I don't know about you, but that seems like an impossibility to me. How do we live in such a way that though people think we're doing wrong, though they vehemently disagree with us, they will glorify their Father, our Father in heaven, on the day he judges? How do we do that? Well, in God's strange sovereignty, he, he led me to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as an example of how we do this. You may be familiar with this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but I'm going to tell it to you again. The story takes place about 600 years before Jesus Christ was born, and it takes place at a time when King Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem, and he took captive many of Israel's finest citizens. So instead of destroying Jerusalem, he decided to take captive some of Israel's finest citizens. And among those who were deported to Babylon were three young Jewish men who were given the Persian names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these young men proved themselves to be exceptionally competent. They rose to position of influence in society. In time, King Nebuchadnezzar got full of himself. He began to think he was greater than God, and so he had a golden image made of himself and declared that when the herald sounded the trumpet, people should bow down to the image. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they may be living in Persia, but they were still from Jerusalem, and they were faithful Jews, and they know there's only one true God, and they knew the Ten Commandments, and they said, we're not going to worship a graven image. You can sound the trumpets all you want, but we're not bowing down. And so that's what happened. The trumpets sound, People started bowing down, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood straight up. And of course, you know, there's always tattletales in every corporation. And they got reported to the king. And the king comes to them and says, what's going on? How come you didn't bow down? 
And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Anybody name a son Nebuchadnezzar? That's one of those names like Jezebel, right? You don't name a daughter Jezebel, and you don't name a son Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We don't have to defend ourselves before you. <laughs> wow. That's bold. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Never. Furious. Not, not used to people standing up to him, right? He's the emperor. Everybody listens to the emperor. Furious that these people stood up to him. Nebuchadnezzar ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter. He had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bound and cast into the flames, and the fiery blast was so hot it killed the soldiers who escorted them in. But as King Nebuchadnezzar peered into the furnace, he marveled at what he saw. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, look, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then the king called to the men and said, come on out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they came out unharmed. Not even a hair on their heads singed or the smell of smoke on their clothing, which to me is amazing. You know, ever sit around a fire pit? I mean, you don't have to be around a fire pit like 30 seconds, right? And you smell like smoke. They got out of there, didn't even have the smell of smoke on their clothing. And this made quite an impression on Nebuchadnezzar. For he said this, are you ready for this? Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Praise to Yahweh, to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For he sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defiled the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. You see what happened here? That Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived in such a way that though Nebuchadnezzar disagreed with them, he praised God. Wow. What about us? Is it possible for us to live in the same way? Is it possible for us as foreigners in this land to live such good lives that though people accuse us of doing wrong, though they disagree us, they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven? Let me go back to that verse in 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners 
to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and give honor to God when he judges the world. How do we live in such a way that that happens? Well, there's three clues in those verses I just read. The first is to claim our identity, to be clear about who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter describes us as foreigners, as temporary residents, people passing through. Another version of the Bible calls us strangers. I like that because I, I know I've been viewed as a stranger. You know, you go somewhere and you obviously are a guest, right? You're a foreigner. You're a tourist. And there's something about a tourist where you can always pick out a tourist, amen? You know they're tourists, right? I don't know what to give away. Maybe it's the camera. Maybe it's the, uh, the outfit, right? But you know they're not from here. I went to North Dakota to work with a church, and uh, let me tell you, you think the Mott's rural? Go to North Dakota. Wow, miles and miles of nothing but cattle. Guy picks me up, he's got a shotgun in the passenger seat. You never know what we might see on the way home. We may have to put something, you know, bring home dinner yet tonight. I thought to myself, I am in a strange place, right? You know what I'm talking about. Paul Peter says we are temporary residents, foreigners, outsiders, strangers passing through. The idea here is that this world, though nice and beautiful and wonderful, is not our eternal home. We're passing through this world where we'll be but a brief time to on our way to our eternal home where we will glorify God forever. Consequently, because we're passing through, we live by heavenly values, not earthly values. We live by a different set of convictions, a different set of values, which some people think as strange, as strange as the Amish. And frankly, if there doesn't come a time in your life where people look at you like we look at the Amish, you're probably not following Jesus as well as you should. Because Paul said, or Peter says, we are foreigners, we are strangers, and we live by a heavenly set of values which are given to us in God's word, which some think is strange and others vehemently disagree with. And so Peter says, claim your identity as an outsider, as a foreigner, as one passing through, and expect, here's the key, young ladies, expect that some people will think you're strange. 
and expect that some people are going to disagree with you because we are not from this world. We're just passing through. So we claim our identity. And then second, he says, we are to commit our lives. Commit our lives. In 1 Peter 2, verse 11, we are to be careful to live properly among our unbelieving neighbors. Keep away from worldly desires. Watch those worldly passions that wage war against the soul. And you can kind of, you can name, label them as our pride, you know, our, our, our fears. But pride is number one. Be wary of our worldly passions that wage war against our soul and be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Now, I don't know what I would have done if my neighbor wanted me to cut down my tree. Did you see that in the newspaper? This guy had a tree on his property, but the branches went onto the neighbor's, over the neighbor's driveway, and the neighbor was getting upset that the birds were planted in the tree and doing what birds do on his car. And so he wanted his neighbor to cut down the tree, and the neighbor said, I don't think so. So then the neighbor says, uh, well, if you're not gonna cut down the tree, I'm gonna cut down the half of the tree on my property. And he did that. Look at that. Half of the tree gone. Now, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what it means because I'm not in that context to live honorably among my neighbors so they come to believe in Jesus Christ. But here it says in Scripture that we need to commit our lives to living in such a way that we keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against our souls and live properly among our unbelieving neighbors. But let, so let's be clear here. It is not easy to inhabit a space where most people disagree with us. Some of you work in that kind of environment every day, Monday through Friday. You walk right in the door and you live in an you work in an environment where you're on pins and needles all day. Unsure if you could say this or say that, because you may offend this person, you may offend that person. It is hard to live as Christians in a context where people vehemently disagree with us. And sometimes we need to take practical steps so that we don't wage war against the fleshly desires within us and we live properly among our neighbors. And for me, it was like, man, I had to stop watching the news. I just, now I just read it. I just had to stop watching it because by the, by the end of the newscast, I was hating people. I was buying into the polarization of our society, us versus them, good versus bad, friends versus enemies. And all this stuff was waging war against my soul. And I wasn't feeling really good about myself by the end of the news hour. And so I said, Lord, you know, I, I need to cut that out. 
because that is not helping me at all. And for, for others, and maybe this is for you, some people need to get off of social media. Another smile here, yeah, for my Amish friend. <laughs> you think I can't see you, but I can. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a few of you here that really need to get off of Facebook. All right, you need to get off Twitter because you're doing more harm than good. You're hurting the Christian cause and you're hurting the church and you're posting things that are just making us look bad. And it's disappointing because it, it doesn't exhibit what Peter's talking about here. To live honorably among God's people. To claim our identity and realize that people are going to disagree with us, our biblical convictions. That's a given. That is simply a given. And so how do we live in such a way? To live honorably among God's people. I don't know what it means for you. For me, it meant I had to curb some of the things I was watching. Maybe for you, it's you know, the, the social media is a temptation that at this point in your life you can't handle, and you're just, it's flaming up passions in your heart, and you go out there and you say things that you can never pull back. We need to claim our identity. We need to commit our lives. And thirdly, we need to contemplate our future. This is amazing for me. Again, in 1 Peter 2, verse 11, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and give honor to God when he judges the world. Peter goes one step further than Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar honored God, but we don't have any indication that he became a God-fearer or a God-follower. What Peter is saying, even to Nero, who took his life, is I want to live in such a way that though people disagree with me, even kill me, they will see my honorable behavior and they'll glorify God when he comes to judge the living and the dead. In other words, they will be among those who have decided to follow Jesus Christ. They will have decided for Jesus Christ, and when God comes again, they will glorify our Father in heaven. Peter hopes that by contemplating our future, when Christ comes again, we will seek to be positive witnesses of the faith to those who disagree with us because they're not our enemies. They are people created in the image of God who need Jesus. Amen? They need the Lord. And Peter says we need to live in such a way that they will see our lives, and even though they disagree with us, they will come to faith and glorify God when, he, when Jesus returns. 
man, that's a hard one because they're not, now they're not my enemies. They're fellow human beings created in the image of God who, like me, need a savior. Claim our identity, commit our lives, and contemplate our future. You see, friends, from time to time, we will find ourselves in the company of people who disagree with us. They may even despise and attack us for our faith. They may sue us and take us to court. In such times, we need to claim our identity, commit our lives, and contemplate our future. We need to do just what Jesus did. After all, we have decided to follow him, amen? Remember that night in which he was betrayed? Jesus offered this prayer to his Father in heaven and John, Father, the hour has come to finish the work you gave me. And with those words, he committed his life. He committed himself to humbling himself even to the point of death on the cross. And then he said, glorify your son so that he can glorify, give glory back to you. And with those words, he claimed his identity. I am the son of God. I am the son of God. He committed his life to finishing the work that God called him to. And then finally, he contemplated the future. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we have shared before the world began. And with those words, he contemplated his future. And God the Father did just that raising Jesus up from the grave and lifting him up from heaven to heaven. So I conclude with these words, my friends. It is time to live like foreigners, tourists, residents, like the Amish. Live in such a way that though people disagree with us, they will glorify Jesus on the day of his return. Or as the Apostle Peter wrote a little bit later in 1 Peter 2, verse 21, it is time, friends, to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is our example, and we must follow in his steps. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for breaking into our lives by your Holy Spirit and inviting us to follow Jesus. Thank you for saving us, for cleansing us of all of our sins, and then giving us the Holy Spirit to live within us so that we might follow Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for our eternal home that we are but eternal temporary residents and foreigners passing through. Forgive us, Lord, for those times when we discredit your name, when we discredit your cause, when we don't live in honorable ways. 
I mean, it's hard for us. We're not used to this. Our parents and grandparents didn't live in such a context. So these are new days for us. And granted, we haven't always measured up, so forgive us. Cleanse us, renew us, and empower us. That as Peter did, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, as countless others have done before us, we may resist worldly passions and live such honorable lives that though people disagree with our values, with our convictions, with our positions, they may glorify you on the day Christ returns. Lord, I thank you for this church. Thank you for Pastor John and Kristen Hill and their faithful leadership of this congregation. Thank you for the leadership of the consistory. I thank you for all that you're doing here, Lord, by your grace. Thank you for the magnificent display of your wonder and glory. I thank you, Lord, that when we come here, we see you at work. What a wonderful experience it is. So bless Pastor John and Kristen. Protect them. Give them a great vacation. Bless and empower the staff. Bless and empower the leadership, the consistory, the elders and deacons as they forge forward in the name of Jesus to invite more and more people to follow him. Lord, you are a great and wonderful God that can do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine by your power at work within us. Do that now in our lives as we leave this place as temporary residents and foreigners. I pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people say, amen.